Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello everyone, this is Umar Hamid, your host, and welcome to the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategies, and advice on how to make you better, stronger, faster. Get ready for another episode. Hello, everyone. Today, I have the privilege of having Andrew Undum here with me today. He's the founder of The Show Group. Andrew, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Excited to talk with you today. It's an exciting time in real estate, right? This real estate market is on fire. Yeah, we're fortunate enough here in in Baltimore to have a really robust market, and the city is performing well, but not even close to as well as the surrounding counties where it's just a seller's market in every sense of the word. Homes are selling multiple offers, and uh, it's an exciting time. You know what the worst thing ever is? I sold our house in Berkeley, California, just at the end of one of those markets. So we did not get multiple offers. Yeah, they say timing the market's a fool's errand, so you just got to make moves when you can. One of the reasons I wanted to chat with you today is that you have a team of 20 people. Managing people is always challenging. Tell me some of the lessons you've learned along the way that have helped you become a better leader. Well, managing people probably is the hardest thing that I do. Uh, Once you get to a point where I've been doing it for a decade, I know how to help people buy and sell homes. Uh And that's the act of being a realtor. And I had a great mentor, Joe Sacchetti, who I started this firm with. Um, And he showed me the ins and outs of being a good realtor. And I was also fortunate enough to have um, some other mentors really get me sharp in sales and marketing, and I've had a lot of sales training too, which helped, but I never really learned how to be a good manager. Right. Um, I'm more of a player, not a coach, I like to say, but I've, I've been forced to, to step up to step up as we grew our team. So um, you, you know, I've heard this analogy a lot or, or this kind of phrase, which is hire slow, fire fast. Yes. I learned that the hard way. It's so easy to hire the wrong person. Right. Well, see, my problem, Umar, is I like everybody. Yeah, that makes sense. And most people interview well, or some people interview well, but then they don't actually follow through on maybe all of their KPIs, their key performance. Yes, indicators. Indicators that we've agreed uh, upon. So we've had some struggles there. And um, over the last 10 years, I think we probably could have let some people go sooner. Yes. Um, And then maybe taking a little bit more time in the hiring process to make sure they're a good fit, go through a more in-depth you know, disc profile, have a series of interviews, and get our process better. Because everyone knows good process drives good results. And what I find a lot of people doing, including myself, is you just kind of wing it. And you say, hey, I think this person will be good. Let's roll. That's probably a mistake. Absolutely. Having a process is really difficult for a lot of people. And then... When they have a process, getting your agents to follow the process takes discipline and vigilance. It's so easy to say, you know, Janet's producing, just let her do what she's doing, it's going to be fine. But following the process is the only way you can get better. Yeah, well, luckily in real estate, we're a bunch of 1099 uh, animals out here trying to um, eat what we kill. So it's not as hard to put not necessarily process, but minimum standards in place for our salespeople to be productive. Yes. The harder part is when you have a W-2 employee to say, okay, Umar, you're going to make X amount every week, regardless of if you do anything or not. And on those W-2 processes, the admin work, we have a a marketing guy, we have um, an inside salesperson, we have admin staff, 
that is where you really need to have a key, um, a, a good process and a defined set of expectations that so everyone's on the same page. And then up front, you say, look, we're going to be checking in, whatever it is, bi-monthly, monthly, quarterly. And just make sure everyone's on the same page getting their needs met and right. feel like they're getting treated properly. Um, so I, we didn't do that for a while, and, and we've done that since, and it's been really helpful. It's your company. It's your reputation. If you had a business transaction with you, buying or selling a house, the experience would be uniquely you. Right. How do you ensure that agents that are working for you also have the same level of quality? That experience they deliver is very similar to what they would experience with you. Yeah, that's a good question. And when you have good salespeople, the, the, the real art is finding good salespeople. Uh-huh. Some people think they're good at sales, but then they're really not. If, but if you can weed out and get a good salesperson and then just give them the tools, say, here's the canvas. This is the market we're operating in. Here's all the tools that we're using to have a lot of success. Right. And let them paint their own picture and just put some bumpers here and there to make sure they get too far out of line. But what I tell them all the time is, look, your job is to get your client exactly what they want. Uh huh. And the only way you're going to get them exactly what they want is if first you uncover what they want. And you have to be really good at asking questions and stop talking, which myself and a lot of people have a hard time. Right. And listen and ask more questions. And then once you find out what they really want, you have to get them that and do it in a manner in which they're going to say nice things about you on the Internet. Andrew, tell me about a specific time, one of your agents, that intellectually understood what you just said, but in practice, they weren't able to execute it. How did you get them to really understand what you're trying to do? Do you have one of those stories where you coach somebody to really do it? Yeah, you know, that happens every day, Umar. It's, uh, so it's an, it's ongoing, an ongoing process. process. I'm a big fan of leading with a little more of the honey versus the vinegar. Right. I don't like to just come down on people for no reason because at the end of the day, they're going to be penalizing themselves far more than any tongue lashing I can give them. Right. If you're going to practice on a paycheck and go out there and not be responsive and not do your scripts and dialogues and know exactly how this process is going and leading people down the right path, you're just going to end up losing tens of thousands of dollars. And what I will do is I'll point out, right. hey, did you realize at this point in this, in this sale, you dropped the ball here, you didn't communicate, whatever it might be. And I can give you examples, but... Um, I like to debrief and do a little unpacking on some of the deals that didn't go right. Right. And even the ones that did go right, you can still learn from. Oh, absolutely. It's critical. That's what separates great organizations from crappy ones. Crappy ones don't autopsy anything. Right. Ones that are good do. Exceptional ones autopsy both good and bad. Oh, that's right. Every deal I've ever done, and we track everything pretty closely. Right. And I don't ask people to do anything I'm not doing myself. So I can make recommendations and suggestions and say, look, every deal you do, when you're going to ask for a five-star review on Facebook and Google and Zillow, you should be getting three reviews for every deal you do and for every podcast you do too, probably. Brilliant. Think of what are a couple things I could have done better. When was I uncomfortable? When did I get asked a question I didn't know the answer to? Uh-huh. And if you debrief with yourself and take it as a serious exercise, and it doesn't just happen. This is a, you have to actually think Think hard, about it. And it's hard work. Because you got your phone, everything's buzzing. It's easy not to do it. But when you really reflect on it, you say, how did I start the interaction with this person? Did I set the proper expectation? Did I ask for referrals throughout the process? Did I find out what they wanted truly and make sure I delivered on it? Did I show my value throughout the process? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
And when you don't, no one checks the box every time. Right. But when you don't, go back and say, okay, I'm going to get a little bit better. And if you get 1% better each day, you're going to be... You make you're going to be an Andrew by the end of the year. You'll be a lot better than me. That makes perfect sense. I find when you're asking for a testimonial using the question, what did you value, what did you value most in our interaction, very useful in future marketing efforts and helps you position your company in the best possible light. Otherwise, you get testimonials that are generalities, right? Right. They're nice to hear, but they don't help you improve. No, I like the way you phrased that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal that from you if you don't mind. Hopefully you would. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one of the things that I think people could do better when they're asking for the testimonials and reviews is exactly what you just said. Um, I just asked for a bunch today. I, I use BombBomb, which I know you do. Yes. And I say, hey, I put the links in there. I try to make it so easy. You got to remove all the friction and say, hey, would you like, would you please give me a review on, on these platforms? And then after the fact, you should say, hey, what could I have done better? Because I don't really want you to blast out on the internet all the things I could have done better. Right. That's smart. But I would like to know, and then I'll make sure I improve upon it next time. That's brilliant. I think people that are weak don't ask the question. Some people, people ask the question hoping that they don't get an answer. People really looking to be exceptional are hungry for that answer because they know ongoing improvements make a huge difference. They make you a master of your craft. Yeah, everything compounds. You know, if you don't do it, that's fine. No, it's easy not to do, but it's also pretty simple to do it as well. And it will compound in your favor. And most people don't like getting feedback, like you said. They don't want the answer, but the real classically trained masters they'll set the expectation up front with the client before you even really engage and start doing real work. Say, hey, by the end of this, I'm going to ask you to give me a review, and I'd really like to know there's some things I could do better. So along the way, just keep that in mind because that feedback really helps me out. And what you're doing there is you're saying, look, I'm not perfect, but I'm trying to get better, and people will respect that. So just listening to your tonality when you said that, you're just saying it to me, but you were reliving that. Mm-hmm. There was like an earnestness in your asking, like I'm not sure if you noticed your tone of voice changed from the earlier part of the interview to what you just said, because I can hear that you really believe that. Oh, sure. And I think you come to that with your clients with that kind of connection. They feel it. They go, okay, yeah, absolutely. I want to give you that feedback. And those people end up being great referral sources. Oh, yeah. All you need in this business is to get, you know, there's a great book, A Thousand True Fans. You probably don't even need that many. Yeah. If you get a hundred people out there, they're like, I love Umar. He took care of me. He went above and beyond. He did the unexpected extras. He showed up on time, did what he said he was going to do, listened, got me exactly what I wanted. Imagine if you had a hundred people like that just walking around. Saying that, yeah. Brilliant. And I hope I do, but that's what I'm trying to do every day. And, you know, our goal has always been at the Sure Group um, to get to a thousand deals in a year. And I think there's only been two or three people in Maryland, people who have been on your podcast actually, have done that. And that's what I want to do. And that's what I want our team to do. And the best way to do it and the fastest way to do it is not to pour money all over TV, paper, internet, Super Bowl ads, whatever. Getting raving fans. It's getting raving fans. And it's more fun to do too as a salesperson. You need to measure your success. I'd suggest for you guys that it's the number of referrals per transaction. And whatever that number is for you, let's just say it was one for one, Mm -hmm. then the company goal could be to get three. If you're getting referrals, you know, you're doing a phenomenal job. Right. And it's just a simple metric to look at at every meeting. 
I love that. You know, we had the good fortune of having Gino Blafari join our team meeting about a month ago. He is the CEO of Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. Love it. Reports to the big dogs. He was like listed as one of the most influential people in real estate. He's got an amazing story. And what he told us, it was similar to what you said, that would be called, hey, how many referrals did I get? That's a lagging indicator. And he said, lagging indicators are great, and that's what we all seem to track. How many listings do I have? How many units under contract? What's my pending volume? Um, What's my close volume for the year? Those are all lagging indicators. That happened after the fact. How many referrals did I get? That's a lagging indicator after the fact. What us as salespeople need to focus on, too, or if not more, is our leading indicators. For example? Am I asking for the referrals? How many times did I ask someone for a referral? That would be a textbook leading indicator for what comes out on the other side? How many Absolutely. referrals did I get? How many open houses am I doing? What's my activity? What's my behavior? So we go back to where we started the whole thing, which is process. Mm-hmm. We need our salespeople to follow a process. If your company's focus is to get referrals and a salesperson's not getting them, we can improve the process so they're more successful at it. The key to success is getting the process and keep making it better. Right. I saw this thing on TV once. It was an empty stage, and on one side of the stage, a tap dancer came up. And on the other side of the stage, another tap dancer came up. So the first tap dancer did this tap routine for about five seconds, and the person on the other side of the stage repeated what they just did and did one better, and they did this duel for a while. And the thing I noticed was this, is that the person on the left, if you looked at that person, you'd go, oh my God, that guy's an expert. That is so challenging. I'd never be able to do that. But the person on the right was so good that they flowed in what they were doing. It gave you the illusion that you could do it too. And that's what mastery does. It allows you to make something so hard look so elegant and so simple. Yeah, well, we're not there yet. We're halfway there. We we got halfway there last year. And Congratulations. Um, yeah, thank you. And, and it's no one sees all the, you know, us as realtors, we want attention. We're always posting stuff out there. Hey, this is a story. We help somebody and we put ourselves out there. But what people don't see is the painstaking effort of tracking all of your clients, using a CRM, doing proper outreach. And then when you're trying to manage a team, getting even more hands-on and helping other people do the same thing. Um, But yeah, process is important. No doubt about it. What is something that you're struggling with right now? Well, I'm always working on the the health, the physical fitness. I go through peaks and valleys like I imagine most people do. And like, you know, when you start working out, it feels so good. And I keep it going. I say, I mean, I can't believe I skip a day because I am just firing on all cylinders. When you wake up, you you lift, you get your cardio in. I'm like unstoppable. But it's also so easy just to drift into, I'm just going to eat more Girl Scout cookies and eh, I don't really feel like doing this. So I'm in that mode right now. And I'm like, man, I need to get going. Yeah. We'll do a session before we leave here today and we'll get you fired up, ready to go. I work out every day, nothing heroic, but enough to keep me feeling strong. If I miss a couple of days, then my energy level gets so low that I have to work out in order to get that feeling back again. We were not meant to be sitting behind a camera doing Zoom meetings all day. We definitely were not. We definitely were not. Just release the kids in the backyard and try and beat them. I think that would be a lot of exercise for the entire family. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's like it's like anything else, you are. You don't have to do it. Yeah. Same thing with making your follow-up calls. It's the same thing with doing your marketing piece around the holidays. It's the same thing with Cameron. Want to hear a dumb joke that I've said on the podcast many times? Oh, let's hear it. Do you know how to make a salesperson shut up? Give them a telephone. 
That's so true. Isn't it? People find any reason not to make the call. Yeah, I saw this on a TV show. It was a little kid about eight, and he said, if I'm on the playground and I see a girl I like, and I get so afraid, and what I want to do is to run away, I use that energy to run towards her, and that's how I overcome my fear. (laughs) That's a smart man. Yeah, and that's ultimately what fear is. When you get afraid, you're at the height of your powers. There is no better version of you because your reflexes are like Superman fast. Your strength is there. Your ability to focus is there. But we've been trained, I must shut down when I feel fear. Our biology and our maker gave us the fear response to be at our very best. My mission is to teach people to embrace fear. Use it to get forward in life. Yeah, oh yeah. And use that because a lot of times what you're afraid of is that amazing, gorgeous looking stranger across the room. Oh my God, she won't want to talk to me or I shouldn't go after these kinds of clients. Right. All that stuff is mindset. Well, I read a lot. Um, I don't talk about reading a lot, but I do. I, I read, I've kind of curated a list of people that I follow that nice. have done an exceptional job in different areas that I like to pick things from. Mm-hmm. And then I listen to a lot of podcasts as well. Nice. Not necessarily real estate podcasts, but more just you know, culture podcast, fine, uh, finance, like, you know, Tim yeah. Ferriss and all that kind of stuff. If anyone hasn't heard the Tim Ferriss first interview with Naval Ravikant. I'll look it up. Mind blowing. It's like three hours, but please send me a link. I'll send you the link for that. I'll put that link in the show notes. But like you said, with the fear, that's what courage is. It's being afraid and doing it anyway. Yeah. Cause you have two choices. You can cower, which most people do, or you just say, you know what? F it. I'm going to do it. We don't use language accidentally rationalizing. They're rational lies we tell ourselves that are so believable we fall for them. Rationalizing stops us from confronting something that would have been something awesome for us. We call that head trash. Yeah. And everyone's got it. I could think of 10 reasons why I I can't do this interview anymore. I got to go. I got to go to the bathroom. Someone's calling me. Blah, blah, blah. You didn't get your hair done and we're on camera as well. You know, but you still came. Yeah. I haven't got a haircut in weeks. Yeah, so there's a lot of things people can overcome. It sounds like your listeners are listening to you for the, uh, you do a lot of sales stuff, a lot of mindset stuff. Lots of mindset stuff. Ultimately, sales is mindset. It is. Do you have any kids? Two. How old? I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. For sure. The four-year-old has figured out when you want X, you go to dad. And when you want Y, you go to mom and you know how to ask them. As kids, we're great salespeople. And as we get older, uh, we forget about that. It's all mindset. Let me give you an example. Sometimes when I have a large audience of salespeople, I'll do a money exercise and I'll suggest what the annual income should be. I start low, like $10,000 a year, and I work my way up all the way to a million or two or $5 million. Then I ask the audience, what did it feel like when I was saying numbers much lower than you're earning right now? What people report back is this. They say, well, I felt angry or I dismissed it. What did it feel like when I got to kind of what you're earning right now? They go, uh, it kind of felt comfortable. What did it feel like when I got higher than what you were earning right now? They said it felt really exciting. What did it feel like when I got really, really high, way beyond what you're earning right now? And then people started saying, you know, I started making stories in my head. If I'm working all the time, making all this money, my kids will turn to drugs. It'll destroy my family. And that just gives you an idea how powerful our mindset is and how much of a factor it is on how well we do in sales and how well we do in life. And basically... People have the ability to do better financially. What stops them is their mindset, 
not their capabilities. Oh, of course. Everyone's capable. Everyone's capable. I was really lucky, Umar, at a very young age. I was like 22, and I was in this um, sales consulting program, and the owner of the consultancy came up to me, and I forget the exact conversation, but he looked me dead in the eye, and he said, you have to have unrealistic expectations about how good your life's going to be. Uh-huh. And I, he was just so certain. Who said that? His name was Matthew Newberger. I know him. Yeah, and he's been a, a great friend of mine. And him and his um, partner, Chad Prinky, I still stay really close with those guys. And they're phenomenal at what they do. Anyone looking to just do tactical um, sales training, a, a, little, a bit of mindset as well, they can really lay out the roadmap of how to do it the right way. And if you're a young man or woman listening to this, you got to get engaged early because the fortune looms large for those who start early. Yeah, this happens for many people. They realize not making calls doesn't help. I can't call now. They're having their morning coffee. We can come up with excuses all day long. So I was at a dinner party uh, a few weeks ago, and this woman was talking about how she started her company. She wanted to go into the phone business. They had you know, competition in the long-distance market, and with the new regulations, you could have competition in the local market. And so she set up a company to do that, and she found out that there was a guy in Washington, D.C., who was an industry giant doing the same thing. So she called him up and said, hey, I'm going to do this as well. And she was like a 22-year-old, and he's like, Oh, yeah, this is a joke, right? You're a 22-year-old. Why are you bothering me? And he was blowing her off the, the phone conversation. He said, uh, let me just ask you one question before I go. Do you have any kids? And he says, yeah, I've got uh, one son and two daughters. And she said, you know, if you weren't around and one of your daughters needed help, wouldn't you hope that somebody would help her? My dad died when I was 14, and I'm asking you for my help. And he goes, Okay, I'm going to help you. And what he decided to do was every morning, he was driving to work at 5 o'clock. He'd call her up, get her out of bed, and tell her exactly what she needed to do that day. And at the end of the day, as he was driving home, he would check in with her and see if she did it. And that's what he did for two years. She ended up taking that fledgling company to be a public company, and she sold it for $2 billion. That's the power of a phone call. Wild. Because she was brave enough to ask an industry leader and wouldn't take no for an answer. That's what allowed her to do better. People want to help. I, I've said this on a different podcast, but it's so true. Every time I've ever asked anyone for help, Umar, any time, everyone said yes. And I try to you know, return the same debt of gratitude when people ask me for help. And the, the people you want to learn from, want to, they have it oozing out of them. They're just, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. When you're ready and you go ask for help and you really want it, you're going to get it. Yeah. But you have to be willing to ask for it. And kind of it all relates to um, another old quote. I think it's some uh, Greek, maybe it's Socrates or something, but he says, Socrates, I think. Socrates, yeah. <laughs> Socrates might have said, um, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Yeah. Henry Ford stole that. I think they attribute that to him as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I think in this day and age, our political climate, we're in 2020. We've got our mind made up no matter which side of the equation you're at. You think you're right, and that's how you behave. I think we should be humans first, Americans second, political party third. And if you get down to that human level, we can find common ground always. Andrew, what would be three pieces of advice you'd give someone starting a team that would allow them to shave off years of suffering, blood, sweat, and tears? Oh, I got a lot of these. Well, the first thing you want to do, without a doubt, 
the first hire you get when you start a team or even when you get into real estate period is you need to hire yourself a full-time quality admin person because if you don't have admin staff then you are the admin yes in your job you get paid way too much to be doing this admin work so step one get yourself an assistant and there's a million people out there who can help you figure out what these tasks might look like writing your offers doing you know the ten dollar an hour work all this stuff so just funny enough I was talking to this guy Fred Diamond who runs the Institute for Excellence in Sales Mm -hmm. and he said I just made a decision in November that I will not touch a task that isn't worth more than $500 an hour. Smart. Because for six years, I've been doing $25 an hour work, and I've been stealing from my own company. So I hired an admin. That's so good. And you know, people are going to try to stop you from doing it. Oh, you could just do that. You don't need to pay for that. You don't need someone to mow your lawn. You don't need this. You do. If you're taking yourself seriously and you have goals that you're trying to get to, then you cannot let these negative people into your life because someone's always going to say it's a bad idea. One of the things I hear from successful realtors is, you should have hired an admin way sooner. Of course. So dear listener, hire an admin. What else? You got to get real sales training. What's going on in the real estate world is there's a ton of training and it's good and they call it coaching or training and a lot of it's mindset psychology, very important stuff. But I'm talking brass tacks sales training. How to get someone to see it crucial. is crucial. Just the bonds and reports, setting the expectations, uncovering budget, the decision-making process, knowing how to ask for a referral, and putting it all together in a system that once you know it, it'll be like the dancers on the right. No one's going to know what you're doing, but you know it, and it's taken off. So Andrew never sold me. He just came in. We had a conversation. And what you did was do it so elegantly, and you did it for the best interest of your client. Right. To figure out what they truly deeply want because sometimes people don't freaking know what they want they need someone like you to guide them through the and process. a lot of times in real estate people don't know what they want and that's okay too somebody wants to buy a home where do you want to live uh, maybe here maybe there that's fine well we got better figure that out then where does your mother-in-law live live really far away from there. <laughs> hey i did the opposite thank god for my mother-in-law oh, me too they're my in-laws are lifesavers but i'm lucky my wife got the opposite she got like the dark side. <laughs> I got the angel. So what's the third thing? All right. So we said admin, sales training, and then I think it's really important to have a scoreboard. Uh-huh. And when you have a group of salespeople around, if they're the right type of people, they're going to want, they're going to be a little competitive. And we do these sales meetings. I learned this from my time at a new home builder. You got to put the numbers up and in front of everyone at a weekly meeting with some kind of cadence of accountability of, hey, we're all going to be here Tuesday at 930. Let's go around the room. Umar, what'd you do this week? How many listings? How many units under contract? What's your year-to-date volume look like? And we go around the room and we share it and it's all positive. But if you're not doing well and everyone else is, I don't have to say anything or pull you aside because you feel so bad that you're going to self-manage because you're going to do anything not to be that guy in the room again. Absolutely. Here's just a cautionary tale. Because you're going to do what's in the best interest of your agent to help them get better. But there's some schmucks out there that do it to shame and humiliate. They think that's leadership. That's not leadership. No. I'm working with the Schiff Home team. Yes. And one of their agents came from the restaurant business. Mm-hmm. This young lady was the number one waiter in sales every night. When she came into real estate, she was not number one at all. But a year later... She became the number one realtor in the office for that month. 
She told me that's what she saw herself doing when she started this business. She said, I did whatever it took to get there. So we define what we want to be. So dear listener, define yourself bigger. Yeah, you'll manifest it. Absolutely. And you know what's funny? Speaking of the Schiff team, shout out to Michael Schiff and Jen Schiff, great friends of ours, yes. allies of the Sure Group. We, have, we want nothing but allies. I say that a lot too. A lot of egos in this business and people try to fight and point fingers. I mean, how many times have you and Michael Schiff gone head to head on a house? I don't think we ever have. Yeah, but there's people out there that are small minded. It's like, no, they're my enemy. They're going to take that deal away from me. You want to have allies. I tell you what, the shifts have helped me out when I wrote an offer on their listing. And nice. I would I look forward to helping them out too. And that's not just with the shifts. That's with a lot of these teams. But at this very table, Umar, I sat down with Michael and Jen Schiff and we were talking about some things. And we came up with, I think it was Jennifer came up with it and she ran with it. But she her consulting firm is called Manifest Consulting. Uh-huh. And we were, we were thinking of... It manifested right there. It manifested right here. They say you always return to the scene of the crime. <laughs> no, they're good people. I'm glad they're working with you. Hopefully you're not helping them out too much. They might come down here and t- start taking some of my business. Andrew, thank you so much for sitting down with me. Oh, yeah, anytime. Brilliant. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming and that is the fastest way to get better results. 